You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 217 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. In a good mood. The temperature in Montreal is still very, very pleasant for this time of year. Um, yeah, not bad. Uh, Canadians got a couple of wins, if you like that sort of thing, this week. Um, so, yeah, in a good mood. How about yourself? Pretty good. Um, and all Habs, too, our fantasy pool. I defeated uh, the one and only Amy Johnson last week, so <laughs> I wanted to make sure I squeezed that in there. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was a nice little battle between the two. At one point, it was kind of close, but uh, I'm very happy that I came away with that win. Otherwise, I, I don't think I could survive Amy bragging about that. <laughs> well, well, we'll hear her response likely on uh, the press zone uh, coming up uh, this Tuesday. Looking forward to it, uh, but here on uh, the Canadians Connection podcast, we have a pretty good show coming up for you. Obviously, in this first segment, we're going to get you up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens from this past week, and we'll dive into the, the Habs prospects a little bit as well. In segment two, results not according to plan. Are the Habs falling out of the Bedard sweepstakes, and is this a bad thing? We'll uh, take a deep dive in on that as the Habs have uh, reached a certain degree of success so far this season. I think they're doing a little bit better than people maybe anticipated. And in segment three, uh, well, since you got to, since you have to hear what me and Rick have to say all throughout the first two segments, we want to hear from you. Our Canadians Connection question of the week. Who has been the most surprising player so far this season? Uh, Rick, if people are interested in answering this question or just interacting with us in general, what's the best way they can do that? Send us a text and we make it easy because we've set up a special Rocket Sports text line and easy to remember at 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. Send us a text 24 hours a day, anytime. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. If you have a little bit more to say and want to send us an email, our email address is info at allhabs.net. You can also give us a follow on social media at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. 
Plus, you can visit our website, canadiansconnection.com. So taking a look at this past week, um, and also make sure you check out our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Canadians game at allhabs.net. The Habs uh, come away with a couple wins, but we're going to start with a loss here, uh, going back to November the 5th against Vegas. Vegas gets six, Montreal gets four. That's a 10-goal game. Uh, The top line provided a ton of scoring for this team. Three in the third for Montreal, four in the third for Vegas. Just an offensive explosion all around. It was, it was uh, maybe unexpectedly, Vegas, uh, one of the top teams in the, the NHL. Um, so the Canadians uh, losing this game, maybe not a surprise, but being able to score four. And uh, once again, the, the, as has been a theme, the top line was, was the uh, biggest contributor. Um, and the other notable part of this game, where we'll get to it a bit later, was uh, a nasty hit um, by uh, uh, Josh Anderson um, and and uh, <laughs> the result of that. So we'll, we'll get to that a bit later. Yeah, and uh, well, speaking of nasty hits, we'll go forward to uh, November the 8th. Montreal defeats Detroit in the shootout 3-2. to two. Hoffman scores twice in the first period. I hope Hoffman's doing okay. He doesn't normally do that for this team. So I, I guess kind of nice to see him do that. He after this week, he now has four goals. This is a pretty good week for Mike Hoffman. Unexpectedly, uh, the Red Wings go zero and seven on the power play. Montreal takes thirty five penalty minutes overall. So that that was a huge game changer for this team. Montreal's PK has actually been pretty good. It has, um, and uh, it's it's uh, special teams have been an issue for the the last couple seasons, um, but but the PK is doing well this year, um, and Mike Hoffman, uh, the much maligned uh, Mike Hoffman, um, and uh, you know, uh, in one of the recaps and and maybe um, on a previous podcast, I said that uh, his his underlying numbers were there; he was getting chances. Um, and, uh, he just needed to connect that he did, uh, this week. And, and, uh, that, that's positive, uh, because we know that Kent Hughes is trying to create a market as, as he says, for his excess of forwards. So, um, good to see. And, and, and I think it's no secret that Mike Hoffman might be one of those guys. So it was good to see him connect with a couple of goals. And finishing off the week uh, with a big win, Montreal gets five, Vancouver gets two. Uh, it was military appreci- appreciation night. Uh, Doc scores twice, so it's uh, back-to-back games where a player has two goals. Vancouver statistically seemed to be more dominant in face-offs and possession, but uh, it didn't really feel like that. I felt like Montreal was overall the better team, and very bad night for Thatcher Demko. I recommend dropping him from your fantasy team if you've not already. Uh, Just not a good season for Vancouver. I have Thatcher Demko in, in, I think, both fantasy leagues. He's a good goaltender uh, and kind of a, a solid record up until this season. But uh, Canucks look, they're just in disarray. They look awful, uh, just terrible. Um, And the Canadians uh, took advantage of that. Um, Johnny Kovacevic, uh, first point, first NHL point. Uh, Arbor Jacki, a a career high um, in minutes played, uh, over 19 minutes in this game. Um, So they, yes, they, the Canadians feasted on, on, on uh, the Canucks, got an early lead and, and coasted after that. 
So the Canadians' record right now, 7-6-1. and one. That's good enough for 20th in the NHL. So kind of in between. And like I said, we'll take a deep dive into this uh, in the next segment. Please make sure you check out the Habs notepad and Habs features appearing regularly at allhabs.net. In our roster news, Evgeny Dadnov is miraculously recovered and has come off IR. Uh, so far this season, zero goals in 10 games, minus four. Not a good season for Evgeny Dadnov. Uh, not sure where his fit will be, but uh, I guess nice that he's uh, decided that he's healthy once again. It was, we talked about it last week, it was odd. Um, it was a mystery illness and it was a virus and, and uh, whatever it was, even though it was uh, supposedly a virus, but he was around his teammates. Uh, whatever it was, the Canadians were able to uh, put him on IR, and then uh, and then uh, he came off uh, the list this week. Um, so that meant a player had to be dispatched from the roster. Yep, yeah, and uh, well, Rem Petlick put on waivers. And after clearing waivers, was assigned to Laval. Um, not a good start to the season for Rem Pitlick. I think uh, you and I, Rick, both agreed that when Rem Pitlick was re-signed this offseason, it was a bit curious. Uh, I don't know that we knew where he was going to fit in. In the preseason, I actually thought he looked decent. He was able to put up some points. When the regular season started, he became a perpetual fourth-line guy and a healthy scratch quite often. Zero goals in seven games and minus two. Uh, he'll be in Laval, and uh, I, I guess he's going to have plenty of time to play down there. He's a great example of um, a real huge divide. If you talk to, to hockey fans, if you talk to Canadians fans, you're going to get one angle. If you talk to hockey people, if you talk to scouts, and uh, you're going to get a completely different uh, description of the kind of game he plays uh, fans love him because he's, um, you know, he plays that that pond hockey game. He's he's a very immature hockey player. He plays an immature game. Um, he he. There's no defensive effort. There's there's no effort when he doesn't have the puck. But he's flashy when he does have the puck. Um, there's a reason he was on waivers a couple of times last year, um, and you know. Uh, he may have stood out on a, a 32nd place team in the National Hockey League. Um, but by the end, you know, the analysis, and we talked about it a couple of times, um, by the analytics, he was the worst uh, um, defensive hockey player in the National Hockey League by far. Um, <laughs> that's the way the numbers came out. Uh, but, you know, he was scoring. Uh, he was scoring last year, wasn't this year scratched a lot we saw him as Mr. Pouty in in the press box um and uh so really um really not a surprise that uh he was the one sent uh, to put on waivers I guess you know it, it wasn't a surprise for um for me um that he cleared waivers I didn't I didn't expect him to be claimed um again I think uh, if you look at our Facebook page Facebook.com slash allhabs. A lot of fans uh, were were expecting him to be claimed. He went unclaimed by the other 31 teams and and was able to be sent to Laval. Yeah, uh, Pitlick is somebody that's well-liked uh, within uh, the Montreal Canadiens fan base. He seems to have an interesting personality at times. So unfortunate that the season hasn't gone well for him. But uh, like I said, he'll have plenty of ice time in Laval and perhaps he'll get a chance later on. I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, so taking a look at uh, a couple of suspensions that happened in uh, two consecutive games this week. First, Josh Anderson suspended two games for boarding, uh, hit from behind on uh, Alex Petrangelo of Vegas in front of the Vegas net. Uh, very dangerous looking play. Uh, luckily, Petrangelo was not injured. And uh, honestly, this was definitely worth a suspension. For sure. Yeah, right in front of the Vegas bench. Um, and uh, he was, you know, Josh Anderson, when he spoke to the media on Friday, was still um, he, he was still upset about the suspension. Um, and he said uh, Petrangelo was was uh, well enough to get up and, and uh, punch him in the face. And others did. And, and I think Anderson lost some teeth. So there there wasn't an understanding, I don't think, on Josh Anderson's part, how dangerous uh, the hit was and 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 could have resulted in a, a very serious injury. And uh, the next game, Uri Slavkovsky with a very similar looking hit uh, against Detroit's Matt Luff, right in front of the Habs bench this time though. Uh, Luff uh, appeared to be a little bit off balance when this hit came in, and uh, he's going to be out injured for the next eight to ten weeks. So kind of unfortunate for uh, Matt Luff. You hope that uh, he's able to have a nice speedy recovery there, but uh, not a good look for Uri Slavkovsky on that one. A little bit careless. Yeah, he he looked uh, reckless. He he looked kind of lazy going into it, and then and then uh, really finished his his uh, his head. And and um, for for Matt Luff, um, he put his his hand out uh, to protect his face. That could have been really awful. He he was still bleeding. Uh, but uh, he needed a wrist surgery, um, and that happened on Thursday. Uh, and as you said, uh, is going to be out for quite some time. So back-to-back two-game suspensions on very similar plays. Uh, I think you mentioned that you tried to look into this to see if this was something that had happened before. Couldn't really find anything, so we'll keep an eye on this stat going forward, I think. We'll uh, put that into our notebook. For sure. Mike Matheson was seen practicing in a non-contact jersey on Friday. Um, he was injured at the in the preseason. He's not suited up yet for the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, so far the Montreal Canadiens defense has looked pretty decent without him. Um, I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later, uh, who might be coming out uh, to replace Mike Matheson. Yeah, it's something um, that the, the, the young kids have played so well, it's uh, almost unfair to to remove anyone, any of them from the lineup. Um, Mike Matheson uh, hasn't played this season, uh, was uh, scheduled uh, to be back mid-December. We're four weeks uh, ahead of that. Uh, so he's, he's uh, a little ahead of schedule. Uh, I'm told that, that the target is um, November 19th. That's a Saturday night game in Montreal against the Philadelphia Flyers. So um, a week away from, from us recording here. Um, that uh, will will likely be, if all goes well, um, once he once he practices a couple of times without that non-contact jersey, uh, that's when we might expect to see him back in the lineup. And the Canadians have brought in Neil Little as a pro scout. He's a former uh, Philadelphia Flyers goaltender. Also spent a little bit of time with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. If you head over to uh, the Canadians' website and take a look at the Pro Scouts, uh, I don't see Neil Little there, but uh, I can confirm that he is now a Pro Scout with Montreal Canadiens. That's odd, isn't it? Because the Montreal Canadiens, as soon as they hire anybody, they, don't they put them up on their website? 
They're really Podcast good at keeping people up to date. <laughs> yeah, Neil Little, um, we, we noted that, that the Canadians are, are down, uh, would, would likely be um, hiring a pro scout or two uh, during the season. Neil Little um, was um, a, a goaltending coach with, uh, with Princeton University, with, uh, um, played that role a bit with uh, the Philadelphia Flyers and, and an amateur scout there, went on to Florida um, and was a pro scout with, uh, with Florida. Um, and uh, he crossed paths with uh, Billy Ryan. Um, Billy Ryan, he should be on the website too, right? I, I would yeah. have thought so. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Um, and uh, that's likely where that recommendation came. But um, yeah, that, we're we're making fun because there are at least a half a dozen uh, hirings that we know about uh, that are not have not been have have not come with the tr- uh, traditional press release and and this is the person and this is what they're doing. Um, you know, Billy Ryan. L.B. O'Connell, uh, Scott Pellerin, um, Neil Little. Now, um, a- anyway, there, there's there's quite a few that um, I guess they're a little backlogged and they haven't got to um, posting the, that information. But um, add one more to your own private list at home if you're if if you're keeping score of these kinds of things. Yeah, and another thing we like to keep score on is uh, our Habs prospects. So I think we'll take a look at our Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you've tuned in uh, to the Canadians Connection podcast over the past couple weeks, uh, you know that on a week-to-week basis, uh, we'll highlight some of uh, the Habs prospects that have been standing out quite a bit. Uh, these are guys that are playing in the CHL, NCAA, sometimes in Europe, sometimes in the AHL. But uh, this uh, past week, I think the two prospects that have become the most interesting for me to follow are Riley Kidney and Joshua Waugh. Both guys playing in the QMJHL on different teams. Right now, Riley Kidney has 27 points. That's nine goals and 18 assists. Joshua Wah has 26 points, nine goals and 17 assists. <laughs> so this is going to be a very interesting race between these two players. I like the rivalry there and uh, merely identical stats. That's right. Um, interesting, though. I mean, they're, they're, they're both having off to a great start. And and I know there was some question about um, you know with with Joshua Waugh had a hundred point um, hundred nineteen points last season, um, and uh, you know whether whether he would um, be joining the Canadians. Uh, he did at the the he joined Laval at the end of last season uh, during for their playoff run, uh, but whether it, whether he could learn anything going back to to junior. Uh, with Sherbrooke this season, and um, and and yes, um, there there's lots for for him to learn. We saw him in in uh, the World Juniors, and I mean he was getting points, but a little underwhelming, I would say, uh, is fair. And uh, he was not, he did not have a very good um, camp um, when when he attended the the Canadians training camp. And it was interesting to me that uh, there was an article. Um, an interview in TV Aspor um, this week uh, that they interviewed uh, Joshua Waugh's coach, um, Stefan Julian. And um, he said, 
yes, yes, he's off to a good start this season. Yes, he's promising, uh, but he's far from from being ready for um, the NHL. Um, he said, uh, the quote is, he's probably the guy with the best hockey IQ in the QMJHL right now, uh, says his coach, but he's not ready to play in the NHL in the short or medium term. Um, and uh, he said it's all because of his skating. His skating is subpar for uh, for junior hockey and and certainly would be, um, you know, vastly... Uh, um, under uh, j- just under what he needed for to play in the NHL, um, he said that that he has uh, Joshua Wah was given a, a whole checklist to work on by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, it's it's his play away from the puck that he has to to work on and his skating. Um, and in the estimation of uh, of his coach, um, that. Uh, he will have to improve his skating, and and it'll take uh, two to three years. He's two to three years yet away from playing in the NHL. So, um, I think this is fascinating because you know we report on um, the prospects and and uh, how well they're doing in in points wise and and uh, looking good. Uh, but here's a you know a, a, a coach who sees him every day, who's able to evaluate him. And uh, and gives us the picture of of why he's in the queue, what he needs to work on, and how long that's going to take. Yeah, a project prospect, perhaps, but uh, a very exciting one, though. Yeah. I know that uh, sometimes players take a little bit longer to develop, and not that this is a good comparison at all. But uh, you know who else had uh, a big knock against the skating is skating throughout junior. Mark Stone, but he has a very high hockey IQ, and mm-hmm. that seems to have really worked out in his benefit. I'm not saying that uh, Joshua was going to end up being like that whatsoever, but uh, certainly uh, if he's a, pro- a project prospect, uh, there's still a lot of hope there. It's not all gloom. I think one difference between the, Mark Stone's a very effective uh, four-checker and defensive player, and yeah. uh, Joshua has got to add that to his game yet. For sure. And, uh, another prospect that we're very excited about that did have a pretty good uh, camp with the Montreal Canadiens is uh, Philippe Michard, who uh, joined the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, we got to hear a little bit from him this past week about uh, what he thinks about Kitchener so far. Yeah, it's like a little bit different, but uh, I like it here so far. Like the guys and uh, uh, all staff, family, everything is, is great. So I like it here, but it's, uh, it's a little bit different than in Europe, like Ice is smaller, maybe that's the big big difference. And also like uh it's not like professional hockey. So it's also like a little different between the, the players, but but it's uh it's really good league, so I like it here so far. I like it here, I really like it here. I'm here with uh Carson Raykov and uh my billet is, is amazing, they're amazing. They're still cooking something good, so so they're really, really taking care of us. I like it here. Do you think he likes it there? I think so. He said that about three or four times <laughs> throughout that forty-four-second uh, quote. <laughs> and we're really happy for him. Uh, he's played seven games in in Kitchener, has nine points already, four goals, and five assists. Um, we know that that uh, the OHL wasn't necessarily his his uh, top destination. He he would have rather stayed in the Montreal area, either with the Canadians or or with Laval, 
Um, we heard that Ken Hughes thought it was better for him to go to the OHL where he could score 80 points rather than 40 points in, in the AHL. Uh, and he seems to have uh, embraced this opportunity. And, and uh, uh, the interview uh, was, uh, was, was really well done uh, on TBI again. Um, and uh, that, that clip that we played you was part of a, about a five-minute um, interview in, in English. I thought it was... Uh, um, he was very complimentary of the team, uh, who the, the 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 management of the team, the coaching staff, um, his his billet family, which uh, sound very kind, and and uh, they've been doing this in in Kitchener for uh, over twenty years, and they have both Philippe and Carson Carson Rakoff, who is a draft eligible prospect, maybe a late first round, second round. Uh, prospect. Um, he likes the cooking. He's getting used to uh, North American food and and uh, getting used to the the smaller North American ice. And and I think this is ideal, ideally what they wanted for um, Mashar, a, a place that he could adjust to um, playing in in uh, in North America while being very comfortable comfortable and being able to be successful on the ice. Uh, and and keep his confidence at a at a high level. Yeah, it seems like a really good situation for him, and uh, the fact that he's producing on the ice as well, even better. Looking forward to having him around as a prospect for the next little while. So that being said, uh, let's take a look at uh, the the Laval Rocket from this past week. Uh, there were two games, so a little bit of a quieter week for Laval uh, to start things off on November the fifth. Um, Lehigh Valley beats Laval in overtime. That ends their six-game homestand, and the record throughout that homestand, 1-3-2, so not very good. Uh, Kevin Poulin, who got to the start in that game, not been looking great either. Uh, two goals on the power play for uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, so I think that ended up being the difference there, special teams. Yeah, um, Laval has had difficulty all over the ice, um, but uh, they they look disjointed. They're not playing as a team. They haven't got uh, good goaltending either from Poulin or Primo, um, and and we're seeing an awful lot of of uh, veterans playing um, and uh, less of the uh, prospects. But Laval does uh, get a win in this week uh, on November the 11th. That was uh, Friday last night. Um, Laval gets five. Utica gets four. That game went to overtime. That's another game that ended up going to overtime. So these guys are playing a lot of extra ice time. Um, Not a great game again from uh, Poulin, but uh, the Rocket did have some luck on the offensive end of the ice. Uh, Penalties are still a problem. Uh, the power play is still an issue for them. But uh, you know what? It's nice to break up uh, these losses with a little win in there. I had, I had uh, hoped that for Laval that they would have been able to. Nico Dawes was not in, in net for Utica. Um, a, a, a very good prospect. They had to call up Isaac Poulter from the uh, ECHL. Uh, it was his first uh, AHL game, and uh, his pro record has, is pretty thin. He's only played four ECHL games, came from the WHL, um, but um, looked decent, at least as good as Poulin um, in, in this game, and, and uh, Laval squeaked out a win. 
So the Rockets' record right now is 3-6-3, uh, three, and three, and that's good enough for 30th in the AHL. But there might be some help on the way as uh, Rem Pitlick joined the Rocket and uh, said that, well, he's uh, he's a little bit disappointed in himself that uh, he's ended up in Laval. Uh, it sounds like he might get an opportunity with uh, the Rocket and play plenty of minutes. Yeah, um, he he said that he was, um, as you said, disappointed to be there. He's um, going to set his sights on working hard to get back to the Canadians as soon as possible. Um, I, I he said that uh, the situation is is very difficult for him to accept. Um, he considers himself an offensive player, <laughs> obviously, of course. Um, and he said that uh, he hopes to be playing an awful lot. Uh, and that will um, that will um, allow him to to uh, improve his offense and in that way get back to the Canadians. Um, Jay Fool, the head coach of the Laval Rockets, said, uh, "Quote: We hope he can help us offensively. Uh, we saw today during practice that Rem's skills are superior to many of the players we have. We will use him on the power play, and he will have an important role." in our lineup. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's saying something that, 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 uh, Jeff Wool thinks he has uh, superior skills, uh, to the, to the most of the players that he has, uh, uh, currently. And, um, you know, when, when, um, Rem Pitlick was on waivers, he cleared waivers, he was unclaimed. I said, that's not good news for the prospects in Laval, because somebody's going to be displaced, displaced in the lineup, uh, with him um, playing in the top six and d- displaced on the power play, with him getting uh, top power play time, and um, and let's be honest, Rem Pitlick is not uh, a prospect for the Canadians. Uh, you you hope that in Laval, there's a lot of development going on with the prospects, and and that the focus should be on them. Uh, rather than a player who um, is 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 looking to extend um, his time in the NHL, so um, yeah, it's 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 um, it's a difficult situation, I think. Um, but uh, for now, Rem Pitlick's making the the most of it, and and JF Wool, given his record, three wins in um, and and nine losses, um, is happy to have anybody in the lineup who can produce. Yeah, you talked about J.F. Wool uh, leaning quite a bit on his veterans, uh, maybe trying to not focus so much on development. I think it's interesting because if you want to take a look back at uh, September the 20th on the Press Zone, there was an exclusive interview with the Laval Rocket head coach, uh, J.F. Wool, where he talks about uh, what changes for the, the coaching staff with the focus on development. What does that do for you, knowing uh, that that development really is a key focus, uh, both at the NHL and AHL level this coming season? Yeah, well, it doesn't change all that much. I mean, obviously, you're uh, you know you're more conscious of uh, of which players need to be in which situation. You know, as a as a coach, you want to try to put some of these young players in uh, uncomfortable situations at times where they can learn. And, uh, you know, I think we did that last year as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't change very much on what uh, what we do. Um, you know, maybe on in practices, uh, you know, a little bit more of a development side of, of it. Uh, the, the, like Frankie Bouillon might come in and uh, Adam Nicholas might come in a little bit more often and, and work with, uh, with some of our players. But, uh, 
As far as uh, as us in Laval, you know, we still want to, you know, develop in a winning environment. For us, it's going to be, uh, we, we feel like we're going to have, a, a, even though we might be younger, we're still going to have a very good competitive club. And, uh, you know, we're going to put everything forward to for the players to, to develop and uh, try to win as many games as we can for our great fans in Laval. I know a lot of uh, our listeners are subscribers of the Press Zone and heard that interview uh, already. Uh, some of you may not have. I think it, it's something that's very important and very important to be replayed. That, as as you said, Michael, um, was an interview just before, uh, during the Laval Rocket training camp, just before um, the regular season uh, began. And that we had heard so much talk about uh, the focus on development um, that uh, Marty uh, uh, St. Louis had said to Stefan Robida when he was hired, we're going to focus on intentions, not on results. Results being um, wins and losses, obviously. Uh, we're focusing on intentions. And, and um, so when, uh, when Amy Johnson, that was the voice you heard there of Amy Johnson, when, when uh, she and I interviewed uh, J.F. Wool at the beginning of the season, we wanted to to see how this would affect him. Uh, obviously, last season there were fewer prospects uh, in uh, Laval, and it was a, a, a veteran-laden lineup, and uh, he rode that lineup um, into the playoffs last year, and he famously said, uh, development stops at the end of the regular season, um, and, and our focus is on winning for... Um, the, the playoffs, um, which was a bit, well, we've had that discussion about uh, how important it would have been for development to occur, uh, to occur for young players during uh, the playoffs as well. But that aside, um, with the, the influx of, of young talent with prospects arriving in Laval, we thought we would hear J.F. Uh, kind of repeat the message that we had heard from uh, Kent Hughes and from Jeff Gordon and from Stefan Robida and, and Marty St. Louis about development and how por- important it was and how the results weren't as important. And he went in the opposite way. Um, he gave lip service to putting prospects in, um, you know, in, in uncomfortable situations as long as, as, as it didn't affect the game result. Um, that's in parentheses, but we've seen... In overtime, uh, you know, at the end of games, who do you see? Who do you see out there? You see Danik Martell and Alex Belzeal and Zinyak and and uh, Gabriel Bork um, and and uh, Abandonado and and uh, and now Rem Pitlick, um, and at the expense of of development and just fascinating for him to say. Um, that uh, we will develop in a winning devi- in a winning environment that as long as we're winning players are developing that's not necessarily true that's a tell if you hear a coach say that in the AHL they're not that con- let's be honest they're not that concerned with development uh, we heard this over and over and over again from Joel Bouchard there i know there's another situation where everybody loved Joel Bouchard he wasn't a very good AHL coach, uh, wasn't good with Laval, wasn't good when he went out uh, west um, and had a short stay there. Um, the, the, when, when you say uh, we're focused on winning and, and if, if we win, then players develop, that's, that just, that's not the way the AHL works. 
Um, and for him, you heard him um, at the end say, we're going to win as many uh, games as we can because we have great fans in Laval. We want to please them. They don't want to see development. They want to see um, wins. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating, absolutely um, fascinating. And uh, for him to say that, that, that there's not going to be a lot of change, um, I think that was, I don't know, I, I think that was just a, an absolutely fascinating clip. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to look back on, especially in the situation that the Laval Rocket are in right now, where neither are they winning nor are they doing a good job developing their young prospects. Uh, it just it makes you wonder like what's going to happen going forward. Also interesting to know that uh, the NHL club was given the okay to focus on development and that winning games wasn't really something to worry about. But the AHL affiliate was, seems to be a little bit more worried about winning games, and they seem to be turning to those veterans over and over again. So I, I'm just I'm not entirely sure what to think of this, and uh, a little bit disappointed in JF Wool. He was a coach that I liked quite a bit last year. So far this season, I'm not uh, liking what his philosophies are. Interesting that during that clip in September, um, he talked about, oh, we'll have development in practice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there for that. I'm not going to be there for that development part. We're going to turn that over to, and he said, Frankie Boulian and Adam Nicholas. Um, and this week it happened. Um, it, it yep. happened where on Tuesday, um, that it was the Canadians development staff. Uh, Nick Carrier was there, Frankie Boulian, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin, Scott Pellerin, Adam, Adam Nicholas, they were all there running practice on Tuesday. So uh, development in Lavelle, bring in the Canadians' uh, uh, development staff, check the box. Yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's one way to do it. Uh, interesting that uh, that's the way that that's going. Perhaps some 3D chess is happening here that I don't quite understand. Uh, practice is great. Practice is good. I'm glad that uh, they're bringing in some of those guys for the practices. Uh, it'd be nice if these guys could use what they're learning in practice during some of the games and uh, get to play in key situations. Playing in key situations, that's it. And making mistakes um, and yeah. learning from those mistakes. Put Jan Meshack out in the last minute. Um, make sure um, uh, Yelonen um, is out there. The, the young defense, uh, Justin Barron is there. Uh, Norlander is there. Uh, that, that you want to be able to, to uh, put out in, in difficult situations. Have them learn and, and be able to... Um, you know, have those experiences before they're they're really tested uh, when they're brought up to the Canadians. So we'll uh, take a look at what's coming up for the Laval Rocket um, on well tonight, Saturday, uh, November the twelfth. Uh, Laval goes into Lehigh, and they're gonna see if they can get revenge on the Phantoms. Then uh, the very next day, Sunday, November the thirteenth, Laval goes to visit Hershey. On the 16th, they go just up before to Abbotsford. We, sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, but we just want to point out and make sure that nobody misses the point. They played Friday. You talked about uh, them being in Lehigh Valley, um, yeah. Allentown on Saturday. Then they go to Hershey on Sunday. That's a three and three. Three and three. Uh, Laval doesn't get many of those. Uh, somehow they, they, they've... 
uh, buddied up with the, the schedule makers. That's a that's a staple in in uh, the American Hockey League. The three and three. Uh, in this case, the only thing I want to point out here is a three and three. What would you expect with respect to goaltending? Your number one goaltender plays the first game and the third game, right? I mean, isn't yep. that isn't that reasonable? Uh, so Primo Poulin, Primo didn't start Perhaps. out didn't start out that way. Poulin played Friday, so we'll see that what that means for the Saturday and Sunday game. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, no worries. That's a good catch too, and uh, well, not just on goaltending. I think it'd be nice to see uh, how they utilize all their players throughout the lineup. Maybe mm-hmm. some uh, usage gets put in different places because of all the extra work. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously, uh, if you head over to AHL.Report, uh, uh, you can take a look at all uh, the game uh, recaps. Um, as I was mentioning before, November uh, the 16th, uh, Laval goes into Abbotsford. Or, uh, sorry, Abbotsford comes to visit Laval. And then uh, Cleveland on the 18th uh, comes back to Laval. So a bit of a road trip, and then they get to come back home. Uh, also, watch out uh, every Tuesday uh, for the press zone. Amy Johnson, uh, Patrick Williams are hosting that. Uh, they keep you up to date with everything uh, Montreal prospects, everything AHL, everything Laval. Uh, so if you want to stay up to date with what's happening there, that's uh, probably your best source to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking a look around the league for, uh, with some hockey news, the Toronto Maple Leafs legendary defenseman uh, Boris Salming uh, received a huge ovation prior to the Hall of Fame game on Friday. Uh, Solomon uh, put up 787 points in 1,148 games, uh, one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, um, this was a, absolutely a legend for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know we don't have a lot of Maple Leafs um, uh, fans listening, but um, one of but, the few that you can respect. <laughs> but but this is this is uh, this is a hockey story, a touching hockey story. Salming was the first Swedish player uh, ever to be inducted into uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, seeing him on the ice, um, you may know he's 71 years old. He's suffering from ALS. He's recently lost the ability to to speak and to eat. Um, he was on the ice, and uh, the clip uh, with Daryl Sittler um, uh, to his right, Daryl Sittler uh, helping Boreas Salming raises and so he could acknowledge the crowd. Matt Sundin on the other side, uh, Lanny McDonald um, also on the ice. Um, a really touching um, scene, uh, and that was ahead of the uh, the Hall of Fame game against the the Penguins, Hall of Fame weekend. Um, and um, it, it's just it's it's uh, it's uh, uh, what a wonderful career uh, he had, and and uh, just touching to see him. Uh, out there and receive such an ovation yeah a really great moment uh, if you haven't seen it yet uh, definitely uh, pull that up uh doesn't matter like, like you said rick doesn't matter that this guy is a toronto maple leaf uh, just absolute legend and a great story i'm glad that this, the fan base uh, was able to give him a standing ovation mm-hmm. um in other hall of fame news daniel offertson roberto luongo daniel sedin and he- henrik sedin will be inducted into the hall of fame on monday very sweet, heavy lineup. Uh, no cups amongst the group, but I don't think you can argue that any of these guys should not be in the Hall of Fame. All had terrific careers. Uh, just take a look at their international records and uh, very happy to see these four guys get into the Hall of Fame. 
Uh, you're uh, familiar with Alfredson. Uh, Canadians fans uh, are, are have always been fans of Luongo, and and anyone on Twitter fans of Luongo. Yeah. Uh, the the Sedins, um, yeah, absolutely uh, deserving of of uh, being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And yes, the, the, as you mentioned, the the one thing that they have in common is uh, none of them won a Stanley Cup. Um, so I think that that uh, there is a, a small pocket of, of Canadians fans who, when you, you mention the name Carey Price, should he be a Hall of Famer? Should he have his uh, number raised to the, the rafters? Uh, they say, oh, sorry, uh, no Stanley Cup. I, I think that's nonsense in, in this day and age. Uh, Price, a dominant career for 15 years. These four uh, dominant careers, none of them with Stanley Cups. So I think uh, that's one of the things that we, we wanted to point out there. Yeah. Uh, the NHL and the NHLPA announced that uh, the World Cup of Hockey will not be played in February 2024. Honestly, it's been a long time since I've wanted to see a Team Canada with McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby. This could even be a last chance for Patrice Bergeron. And we're still going to have to wait. I've been waiting for this since I was a teenager. And uh, Gary Bettman said no to the Olympics. And some unfortunate things happen around the world with the pandemic and the Olympics and the NHL just couldn't happen. So I understand from that perspective. But uh, yeah, not really much of an explanation as to why the World Cup of Hockey is not going to happen. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this one? The press release gave the reason as the current environment. Um, so that says to me that they want to be sure that, that Russia's involved, um, and, uh, and, 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 and expect that, that, uh, that won't be possible in 2024. They're, they're aiming for February, 2025. Um, will there be participation, uh, in the winter Olympics in 2026? Um, yeah, that, that best versus best seems to be what, what people want. But, uh, you know, my sense is that, um, other than, than, than getting, as you said, you know, getting Crosby together with McKinnon, uh, together with, um, um, McDavid, um, there, there, there's, there's becoming less and less of an appetite for, uh, for this world cup of hockey. And, and partly I think, cause the, the format was a bit goofy last time around, um, and hopefully they'll repair that, but, uh, yeah, disappointing, disappointing for sure. Taking a look at some transactions around the NHL, a familiar name was signed to a PTO by the Colorado Eagles, Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, it's nice to see that he's still finding a way to make himself relevant, uh, he was uh, dropped uh, from uh, the Colorado Avalanche uh, early in uh, the training camp. That didn't work out too well for him. And uh, it, it's unfortunate that he's uh, fallen as far as he has since leaving Montreal. Just one one game. He played just one game for Colorado. Uh, the NHL ver- version, the Avalanche, in the preseason, he had an injury. Um, and, uh, and yes, his, his, uh, PTO there didn't work out, but now signing a PTO in the AHL with, uh, the Colorado Avalanche's affiliate, um, called the Eagles and, and, um, we, we wish him luck. And, uh, former Canadians defenseman PK Subban signed a multi-year contract with ESPN, I'm excited to see uh, P.K. Subban in the media. Always been uh, quite an entertaining guy. 
um, when he was not uh, signing a contract over this past summer as a free agent and things turned into a long drawn out process. I, I was wondering if he was going to have uh, opportunities elsewhere. So nice to see him get into the broadcast. And uh, honestly, uh, if you've been watching NHL games in Canada, the inter- intermission shows have been a little bit rough at times. So yep. you know what? Uh, maybe Subban can help spruce that up a little bit. He kind of got his feet wet uh, during the playoffs uh, last year. And and so this wasn't a surprise that he signed a a three-year contract with ESPN. There's also, um, he'll have his own show that will debut um, a little bit later called PK's Places. I'm not sure what that's about, but uh, this this announcement was about his... uh, his uh, involvement and and I'm sure that um, if not analytical it'll be it'll be very entertaining and he's always quite outspoken yeah he always brings some nice uh, suits as well so looking forward <laughs> to keep an eye on his wardrobe <laughs> but uh, I think that's going to be it for segment one uh, coming up we're going to hear a brand new message from our sponsors DraftKings and then it's our big topic segment stay with us this is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Place a same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. The more that you add to your same-game parlay, uh, the better the, the, the higher the odds are and the bigger your payouts could be, quite honestly. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pregame money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And with me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can visit the website CanadiansConnection.com. Also, a reminder to make sure you hit that subscribe button. In the podcast uh, player on your favorite app, wherever, uh, make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss a single episode of the Canadians Connection. And uh, like I said on uh, segment one, this segment, we're going to take a deep dive on some of the earliest successes the Montreal Canadiens seem to be having. Uh, This was a season in which uh, I don't think many people expected the Canadians to be much higher than last in the Atlantic. And here we are. They're sitting at 20th in the league. It's uh, it's not necessarily a playoffs position but it's a uh, quite a bit higher than I think what people predicted uh, if you want to take a look back before the season uh, Martin St. Louis said this season would be defined by intent and not results and we seem to be getting uh, results to a certain degree 
Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes uh, said that the focus should be on uh, sustainable long-term development. And I personally uh, said the focus should probably be on entertaining hockey. And they seem to be, uh, you know, going after what I'm saying. They're bringing some entertaining hockey to the table. Uh, Very few games in which they are just flat out out of it. Uh, They seem to be right in it up until the end, most of these games. Uh, It's nice to see uh, that these uh, Montreal Canadiens, after having a dark, dark cloud over them all of last season, uh, that uh, there are some good vibes. Um, They're kind of in a weird position, though. They're uh, neither a playoff team, nor are they a tank team. They're right in the middle. So what exactly does that mean for this team, Rick? Yeah, it's it's awkward because, um, you know, the the plan was set. That uh, first overall pick... Uh, last year, it seems that the the fans were primed uh, in the off season um, with with uh, to lower their expectation or keep their expectations low. Uh, we talked about the Canadians being a bottom three team, bottom five team, um, and that they would be set up for the twenty twenty three draft, uh, which the ultimate prize is is Connor Bedard. A, generational player uh there was no generational players um and and maybe a thin draft in 2022 when the canadians had the the top overall pick but there was an opportunity with a bottom three bottom five finish that they be a lottery team and still compete for that first overall pick and if they didn't get Connor bedard um, there was some pretty darn good consolation prizes uh up in 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 the in the, the for, in the top five um, so right now, uh, the standings, uh, 20th in the NHL, that puts them outside of having a top 10 pick. Um, you know, it's said to be a deep draft, uh, but having, a you know, a 12th overall pick, um, rather than being in that is, you know, the Canadian Canadians fans, uh, endured a lot of pain last year. They're willing to, to go through a, a little bit more this year. Um, are they going to have uh, be satisfied uh, with a um, you know with, with a, an average pick? Um, but the other the other side of it is that that they kind of uh, gotten used to this entertaining hockey that's produced um, a 500 record. Um, if if the Canadians go on a, a losing streak or a long losing streak now. Um, is everybody going to be rational enough to say, yeah, but uh, think ahead till, till the draft. It, this is okay. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult position for um, the team, uh, a difficult position for management, and, and it just kind of shows you that, um, you know, these things, aren't, these things aren't science. You can't say, you can't, you can't, uh, with all the variables and other teams and players and injuries, and um, you can't, you can't so carefully uh, decide uh, where you're going to end up um, and how you're going to manufacture um, and design uh, the, a, a perfect rebuild. And it's interesting too that. This record, they've been able to accomplish this without uh, Joel Edmondson being there for a large chunk of the season. Mike Matheson's yet to make his debut. Carey Price isn't around. So how exactly have they been able to play so well? I mean, their young defense has been awesome so far. Caden Gooley, above expectations. Jordan Harris is still kicking around. That's above expectations. 
Arbor Zakai, for a lot of people, I think was a nice surprise. I think it was a surprise that he made it out of camp. It's a surprise that he still managed to stay here and find a role. So I think you have to give a lot of credit to that young defense, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I th- I think that that Caden Gooley, um, a lot of fans were excited to see Caden Gooley. A, a lot of fans thought Caden Gooley would do pretty well. Um, did anyone predict that Caden Gooley would be the, the Canadians' top defenseman playing on the top pair, um, you know, consistently have the, the, the most minutes, uh, be playing top minutes? Um, uh, yeah, I think that's well above expectations. Uh, Jordan Harris, uh, we remember that he arrived with the Canadians at the end of, of last season and didn't seem to be a favorite of Marta and St. Louis uh, was uh, spent a, se- several games in the press box. Um, but you, uh, I defy you to take him out of the lineup. Now he has, in my eyes, been the, the uh, Canadians second most uh, consistent defenseman. Um, he's, he's moving the puck uh, extremely well. He's good in his defensive zone and he's stand, he's, he's holding up physically much better than, um, I expected. And um, again, we talked about fan favorites uh, earlier. Arbor Jacki is, has been um, the, the most favorite player, the, the, the favorite player of, of Canadians fans, of most Canadians fans uh, this season. And why not? He's, he's added that, um, that grit, that, that bit of edge, that meanness, that physical play. Um, and he's shown that he can uh, contribute uh, offensively to who who would have predicted that he could be uh, on the second wave of the power play. He's got a couple of, of chances to do that. Um, these are, are, I guess, the, the true rookies, but Johnny Kovacevic um, uh, coming over as a waiver pickup, uh, he's, been, he's been a nice uh, surprise too. So the young defensemen, all of them, have been playing extremely well and, and well above expectations. And uh, while we're talking about defensemen here, uh, we know that Mike Matheson is going to return at some point this month, a lot sooner than they expected him to return. So who exactly ends up being the odd man out? I'm, I'm looking up and down here. I'm thinking, well, I, I don't really want to take any of these young guys out. Is it, is it going to be maybe uh, Weidman or Kovacevic that comes out? Uh, who do you think is the guy that uh, ends up having to sit when Mike Matheson returns? It's a difficult decision. I think Weidman, um, because of his versatility and because of his effect in, in, in the locker room, um, he's an important part of the leadership. Uh, and, you know, he could be lost on, on waivers uh, if he was sent, sent to Laval. I don't think that we're going to see Weidman um, uh, put on waivers. Um, uh, you know, that, 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 that's difficult then. It, it means that, that one of these players that we've been praising, um, it's not going to be David Savard. It's not going to be uh, Joel Edmondson. Although, you know, of everybody, uh, Joel Edmondson has struggled, struggled mightily since he's come back with giveaways and, and the, the block shots and the physical player there. But uh, decision-making hasn't been there. Um, but, you know, Johnny Kovacevic maybe is, is a candidate, but he's, he plays the right side. So he's got that going in his favor, I think, and it's going to be difficult to, to swallow uh, for a lot of fans. I think that, that Arbor Jacki uh, will be the guy who goes to Lavelle. 
Um, and, and, you know, you don't have to worry about waivers. And I think as long as he gets, um, you know, a lot of minutes, I think uh, out of anyone that you could send down, Arbor Jacki will benefit most from, for, uh, from playing a lot of minutes uh, in Laval, if, if, if that truly happens. Yeah, we'll see uh, what J.F. Hull would have to say about that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I guess it would be pretty disappointing to see uh, Arbor Jacki come out. Uh, but uh, when you look at the situation, if you don't want to put anybody on waivers, uh, you can't really take one of the vets out. Uh, he, Yeah, Jacki might be the odd guy out. Uh, you certainly don't want to take out Gouli or Harris. So uh, it's unfortunate, but we'll see uh, how things get handled in that regard. I know uh, we've done a... a well, we've talked about this at length on the podcast. We did an entire segment on this as well, but uh, the offense at times has actually looked pretty decent. Uh, you take a look at Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. They're both at a point-per-game pace. Uh, Caulfield seems to just score on command at times. Is this something that's really that sustainable? Uh, you look around the league, there are a lot of uh, really good uh, high-scoring players that get off to these strong starts, and then in the back half of the season, they really start to slump. Uh, I think Patrick Lina is a great example of uh, that. Uh, a lot of scoring can be quite streaky. Uh, so do you think that uh, the early success from uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield is uh, going to be able to be sustained uh, throughout this whole 82-game season? Well, I, th- I think it's important. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen... I've seen fans be very excited for sure about Caulfield and Suzuki, but I've seen some uh, Montreal uh, journalists say, um, you know, the the best with and including Doc, uh, one of the the best uh, first lines in the National Hockey League, and 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 let's let's pump the brakes, um, you know, uh, Suzuki's off to to a great start, um, but he's 18th. In the league in points, uh, Caulfield yeah. is thirty fifth in the league in points. Um, they're not they're not at that state. They're not at that elite stage of, of first line um, that a first line needs to be in terms of points or in in terms of of preventing chances. And uh, for the most part, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield have been underwater in terms of shot attempts. Um, the possession game throughout the season, although you know they've been they've been terrific, um, is it sustainable? Um, you know, I think right now all we can do is 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 celebrate it, and um, and I think it, it was um, it was really interesting to see uh, the stat that for that the Canadians' youth, the 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 twenty three and under crowd. Uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, are the most uh, f- most productive uh, in the first fourteen in the first fifteen games of the season um, since the 2016-2017 Winnipeg Jets. Uh, where are we going with this? Um, the Habs are the first team uh, since that season, 2016-17, six years, um, to see uh, their forwards 23 and under score at least 26 goals going into game 15 of the season. That's pretty remarkable. And, and of course the, the majority of that um, is Suzuki and Caulfield, but, but, but um, uh, 23 and under. And if we look team to team to team, um, the Canadians have, have scored 41 goals this season. 27 of those goals came from uh, individuals, 23 and younger, 
that's 66% of the production of the Canadians so far this season coming from youth. Um, uh, there, there's no one even close. There's no other team this season even close to that. Carolina Hurricanes are next uh, with 51%. Um, so the youth are are performing. Uh, vets, not so much. Um, but again, is it sustainable? Um, you know, Nick Suzuki right now uh, it has um, a shot percentage, a shooting percentage of, of over 27%. Um, is that that that's that's very difficult to stay in that lofty range all all season and and you know um, the Canadians uh, we've been preaching about trying to get secondary scoring um, you know th- to take some of the pressure off that first line and also because uh, teams second time around as the Canadians meet teams for the second time they're going to focus on shutting down that first line. Um, and, and, and that their production is going to go down. So, um, yeah, I, they're doing well, um, not elite to put it into perspective and, yeah. and likely to, to experience some sort of regression. Yeah. That's a very good point to, to point out as well. Uh, completing off that top line, uh, you mentioned Kirby doc a little bit. I've, I've actually liked what I've seen from doc so far. He's surpassed my expectations quite a bit. I wasn't really sure what to expect from him to be fair. Uh, but this seems to be the best uh, that he's played his whole career. Uh, it's nice to see that he's getting some time on the top line is Kirby docs play sustainable as well. This is a guy that uh, maybe has some injury history. Of course you can't uh, predict what's going to happen in regards to that. But uh, do you think that Kirby docs going to be able to handle a full season on the top line and be able to continue to play as well as he has? Let's hope not as Canadians fans. Let's hope not. Um, because if Kent Hughes acquired a winger uh, for the large price that he paid, <laughs> uh, that's a stretch. That's, that's, that's a bit of an overpayment. If he required the few, if he acquired the future second line center for the Montreal Canadians, uh, then it was a good deal. So I understand, um, I understand. And, and here's, here's the situation that you kind of wonder about Marty St. Louis. He said, we're going to focus on intent, not results, but yet, um, he's getting results from having doc with, with um, Caulfield and Suzuki and keeping him there. Now, if it's simply to to give uh, Kirby Doc a bit of, of uh, opportunity to to play freely, play his game, play with good players, get a bit of confidence, and then return to uh, a center role, then I'm okay with it. If it goes on uh, throughout the, the season, then I have to question, are you really uh, p- playing... Uh, with with intent rather than results, um, we uh, the best case scenario is that that Kirby Doc gets an opportunity, gets an opportunity in the faceoff circle, and 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 uh, he's not right now, and he needs to work on that game. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, to to he's a good defensive player, and um, and he gets he he has more responsibilities defensive responsibilities at center than he does currently um and he's he's a good pivot he's 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 a good setup man and we we saw that on 
um, a couple of the goals where where he he ended up uh, just as happenstance down the middle with Suzuki and and Caulfield on either side of him, um, and and he you know he looks like that's where he belongs. So um, you know let's all be happy for Kirby Doc right now, but but let's see him. Um, um, in in a second line role, and, and that's also going to help to uh, spread out the offense so that that it isn't just a, a one line team. For sure, uh, it's a very good point you bring out about uh, Doc uh, currently playing on the wing as opposed to center. Uh, you, yeah, I hope that he gets a chance to go back and uh, play center. Um, it, I think that being on the wing of Suzuki and Caulfield, who are currently uh, a, a above and beyond expectations probably helps uh, make him look really good as well. But uh, you know what? Uh, let's see how things play out uh, in the long game and hope that uh, Doc gets an opportunity to play center, take some play, uh, take some face-offs, and uh, I'd like to see him on the penalty kill a little bit as well. Uh, taking a look at the Montreal Canadiens goaltending, this has been goaltending that's been better than average. It's a lot better than I thought it was going to be as well. I thought that they'd get lit up quite often, but... Uh, both Allen and Montembeau have given this team a chance to win with the majority of their starts. Um, but the thing about this is that Allen is handling a pretty heavy load at the moment. Montembeau steps in every now and then and uh, provides, uh, I guess, some decent uh, backup goaltending. But uh, can Allen handle this very heavy load and continue to play as well as he has? And uh, can... Uh, Montembeau continue to step in from time to time and provide some decent games as well because Montembeau up until when he came to Montreal was perpetually just a good AHL goaltender. Yeah, he has been a a good AHL goaltender when he's ever had the opportunity in the um, NHL. His his save percentage has been below 900. He's never been able to break that barrier. He's above that now in the, the limited number of games he's played this season. Uh, and that's good news for him. That gives him confidence. Um, he, he had a recent interview um, where uh, I thought it was interesting that he talked about his role model. Um, and his role model is uh, Jordan Binnington, um, which <laughs> I was like, uh, Sam, maybe you want to pick somebody else because uh, Jordan Bennington, a bit of a flash in the pan. He's got his Stanley Cup. He took over from from Jake Allen and was great on that that Stanley Cup run for the Blues, but has been up and down and all over the place uh, since then, and and not having a great season this season. Um, there, there's been some change to Sam Montembeau's game. He's he's talked about it. He's playing much deeper in the net. Uh, that it allows him to go post to post much quicker. Um, his uh, yeah, his 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 uh, uh, lateral movements haven't been that good. His his uh, his ability to um, track the puck um, and in that way control his rebounds hasn't been good this season. We've seen all sorts of of rebounds, and he's been uh, a little bit uncontrolled in his movements. But playing further back. Uh, he's been a, a little bit quicker, and that's contributed to his success. Um, Jake Allen has been, uh, I, kn- I know Jake Allen is another player that is a fan favorite, and he should be. He's a good guy. He says the right things. He does the right things. Um, is he a number one goaltender in this league? Mm, probably not. And and although he's played decently, um, that that it's bit, it, it's about average. 
Um, his goals uh, saved above average are 0.58, which means he's an average goaltender. He's 27th in the National Hockey League in that category, which means there's a whole raft of, of uh, starting goaltenders ahead of him. Jake's at the end of that train. Um, Sammy Montembeau has been better than that. He's uh, typically been in the top 10, 12 in that goal save above average uh, um, category this season, but in very limited um, action. Um, so Canadians goaltender has been be- goaltending has been better than expected. Um, is 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 it sustainable? Um, we'll see. And and heaven forbid that um, you know with both of injuries. these goaltenders, there's been injuries. So heaven forbid that uh, uh, the Canadians run into that. Yeah, and I will highlight the main point here. The goaltending has been slightly above average. So I'm hoping that average goaltending is sustainable. But uh, if history tells us anything, when Allen takes on a heavy load, after a certain point, he starts to falter quite a bit. And uh, we'll see what we get from Montembeau. I think we're still finding out uh, what kind of goaltender he's going to end up being. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky, the first overall pick from this past summer. He's now played in 10 games and he... He remains in the NHL. Uh, I think some people are a little bit surprised about that. Three goals in 10 games, no uh, no assists, uh, 19 penalty pe- penalty minutes, uh, two-game suspension. Uh, he's not really ever needed to be the guy. He's not been the guy that you turn to when you need a goal. He's not like front and center on this team like Suzuki and Caulfield are. I would still like to see him get a little bit of time in the AHL so that he can be the guy and that he can develop into being the guy. But uh, I, I get the feeling that Montreal doesn't necessarily want to deal with that backlash. It's interesting because, um, yeah, Slavkovsky isn't, um, he, he's not living up to, to the billing that he, he played against men. And so he was going to come in and dominate and, and use his size. I think he's still figuring all that out uh, of how to use his size against guys who are a similar size and, and strength. Um, and so he's been allowed to kind of find his way, uh, have some moments um, where where he looks like uh, he belongs and have other moments where he doesn't look like he belongs. He's still pretty um, immature and, and uh, still needs to improve his skating, still needs to learn how to play without the puck, still needs to learn uh, how to perform on the smaller ice. Um, and I, I think the surprise here is that, yes, he has played his his 10th game um, and hasn't been sent to the AHL. So the first year of his contract is burned. Um, th- many thought that, that he would be uh, demoted uh, p- prior to that. Uh, so now any chance of him going to the AHL uh, are just because they, they think he, he needs time or to play more minutes. It's not uh, going to be you know, impacted by an effect on, on his contract. And, and if, uh, the, the Canadians see what we've seen and been talking about, um, is there a lot of development going on, uh, in Laval? And, and it seems they've made the decision that right now, uh, you I can learn more at the, the NHL level than the AHL level. Well, one one position I'd like to see Uri be able to contribute a little bit more is on that power play. Uh, the power play has been a struggle for this team. 
Uh, although penalty killing has actually been good. They've been in the top 12 in the NHL. Uh, the power play is really not uh, getting it done, which is kind of surprising when you have talents like Suzuki and a sniper like Caulfield. Uh, typically, if you're a playoff team, you have a power play percentage of around 20. Uh, not many teams that uh, get into the playoffs without that. Montreal certainly does not have that. Um, do you think that the power play is something that can improve? And do you think this uh, penalty killing is sustainable? Uh, we know the other night uh, they killed off six straight uh, uh, penalty kills against Detroit. So what do you think is going to happen there? Amazing. Uh, the, 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 the penalty kill has been terrific. Uh, and yes, it's been David Savard and, and um, w- with his return, uh, Joel Edmondson. But even more so has been Arbor Jacki's been there. Caden Gooley's been outstanding. Um, and, uh, and the goaltending has, has been a factor there as well. Uh, penalty kill, or sorry, power play, uh, for a team that wasn't expected to compete very well at five on five, um, the, the panel, the power play could be the great equalizer. It could be, um, where they, they, uh, you know, use the power play to stay in games, um, and it's been better, um, you know, in, in the last couple of games. But still, as you said, when you have uh, Cole Caulfield, the sniper he is, when you have Mike Hoffman, who is a power play specialist, when you have a distributor like Suzuki, and um, it's, it's just bizarre that, um, you know, and, and it goes back to Alex Burroughs, who hasn't been able to, to design any kind of scheme uh, to uh, the zone entries have been, been difficult and then the the Canadians staying stationary. Now, they're they're able to move the puck, uh, but what we see with effective power plays from other teams is they move personnel as well. And up until the last game or so, the Canadians weren't doing that. Uh, Marty Saint Louis had a had a had some influence uh, into the the power play and and talked about uh, that they want to force the penalty killers to make mistakes. Um, and so maybe we're starting to see a bit of a turnaround, but um, it, it has to improve a lot uh, for the Canadians to have much of an impact on the power play. So that brings me to the next uh, big question here. Montreal Canadiens, currently they have a certain degree of, dis- of success. They're kind of middle of the pack. Uh, definitely not a playoff team, not a, a bottom 10 team, not a team that looks like they're going to be picking in the, the top 10 of the draft. Is that uh, sustainable? And does the team necessarily want that to, to happen? Because you said it a couple times already. Do you want the Montreal Canadiens to be just outside of the playoffs and also just outside of the top 10 and not to uh, get a top 10 draft pick this year? Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary, right? They're, they're 12th uh, in the conference. Um, so that's, that's a tough position to be in. Um, now, uh, only two points or so out of a playoff position. Uh, but when you look at the teams in front of them, are they going to have a chance to be in the playoffs? Um, I, I don't want to burst any bubbles here, but uh, that's very unlikely. And, and, and therefore, you got to start looking at the other end and, and that it's desirable to move your way up, so to speak, by in the draft by moving down. Um, and... We're at that. We're getting to that. We're we're a little ahead of that um, that place in the in the schedule to start making predictions, uh, but not too far away. It's just a couple of weeks until American Thanksgiving, 
And um, yes, there are ex- exceptions when 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 teams come from the bottom, and you know, but they are exceptions for the the re- for a reason. Typically, um, the 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 odds are uh, that that we have a pretty good idea of who's going to be a playoff team by uh, the end of November by American Thanksgiving. Um, so it's reasonable to look and 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 say. Um, you know, are are the Cana- are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to stay down with with the Canadians, uh, or are they going to make a move? Is their talent going to come forward? Um, and can the can this bubble that's been created by the uh, the young defensemen or the the uh, goaltending that's been playing at average, uh, slightly above average, uh, are those sustainable? Is is the the uh, the top line continue to going to enjoy the ability to roam and, and, and not be shut down by the opposition. Um, it's, it's, I, I don't think uh, where they are now is sustainable. And, and yes, we'll repeat. I don't think Canadians fans, if they really stop and think about it, want it to be sustainable. So that uh, brings me to my next point here. Uh, right now, Montreal Canadiens have a surplus of forwards. You know, you look at Rem Pitlick, who just got sent down to Laval. You look at Jonathan Drouin, who's not really done a whole lot. Uh, Evgeny Dadnoff has come off of IR. Mike Hoffman is still here. Uh, they're not really willing to expose Michael Pozzetta to waivers. I'd throw in uh, a, a Monaghan into that uh, as well, uh, as guys that uh, Ken Hughes might look to try and trade. So... Let's say it is sustainable. Let's say that Montreal remains around the same uh, mark in the standings as they are right now. They're 20th in the league, and we're approaching the trade deadline. Does Kent Hughes all of a sudden become a buyer, or does he still remain a, stick to the plan, remain a seller, look for trades for these guys, especially a Monaghan, who I think you can get a nice trade back for, Um and do you like try to mortgage the future here to try and get into the playoffs if you're just on the outside looking in? I mean, probably not. I think that you have to go with the the long term view here. If Montreal still remains where they are, let's say it is sustainable. I think Kent Hughes should absolutely remain a seller and try to sell off all of these pieces at the trade deadline. Yeah, it's um, and now now you're gauging fan tolerance um, at the beginning <laughs> of the season, right? Um, Fans seem to be tolerant of a, another season uh, near the bottom of the standings, as long as the games were a little more entertaining. And and we remember the predictions that they said, oh, the Canadians are going to score a lot of goals, but with the defense and goaltending, they're going to give up a lot, and they'll lose a lot of games 7-5. Hasn't worked out that way. Um, but also, um, we expected that, that Kent Hughes would be have 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 been able to trade a couple of players um, by now at least and be trading them during the season so that um, you know the younger players would be put into uh, bigger situations than maybe they would be ready for and and the Canadians would tumble down the standings but uh, there hasn't been any market yet for a rem pitlick we, we saw that even giving them away for free no market for rem pitlick uh, Dadnoff, who's uh, been under criticism, Hoffman, um, who's uh, starting to capitalize on on the chances uh, that he's had, but Kent Hughes has been uh, unable to um, move those players uh, one to free up cap space, 
uh, two to free up spots in the roster for the younger players and three uh, to ensure that, that the play, the Canadians remain uh, near the, the bottom of the standings. Um, but yes, that sets up the scenario. So by the trade deadline, the Canadians are five points out. Um, you know, are the fans going to be tolerant uh, when, when Kent Hughes is, is uh, going to be a seller? And understand that other teams aren't phoning about, they're not phoning about Jonathan. Jonathan Drouin um, has been, in my books, uh, the most disinterested, the, the worst player on this team. Jonathan Drouin, I looked it up, in the 2022 calendar year, the calendar year, he has one goal, and that came on January 1st. Oof. <laughs> He's done nothing, uh, nothing uh, to help Kent Hughes create a market. Uh, neither is Dadenoff, um, uh, of course. Mike Hoffman, a different case. But but teams aren't phoning about these guys. So come to, to the trade deadline, and they f- they phone about uh, uh, Monaghan, who you mentioned, who would... Uh, return a a, a, a good uh, there would be a good return there or what if they phone about a Joel Edmondson or what if they phone about a Jake Allen uh, for their playoff run and fans are saying wait a minute we're you know why are they trading um, one of our better players when 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 we're just five points out or whatever it is um, so uh, I think that Kent Hughes is going to have to start moving some of these guys uh, for for types of deals that he's <laughs> he's been reluctant to to make uh, up until this point, um, and 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 also uh, fans are going to have to prepare themselves for the fact that um, it's a good thing it's a good thing when when uh, some of these players move on because I don't think you want to take shortcuts here i i really don't think uh that the canadians want to say oh well the the rebuild is you know is is um is happening much quicker than we expected so uh let's start being uh, a buyer as you said i i i think that's a mistake and we've seen those mistakes made in, with past um uh, regimes in montreal and uh, if I didn't, well, if we didn't already crush everyone's dreams, <laughs> if you want to take a look at uh, the NHL standings right now, and I'm just going to take a brief look at the overall standings. Uh, behind Montreal, at uh, number 22, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins. At number 25, you have the Calgary Flames. 26, Nashville. I'll even say 31, you have the St. Louis Blues. These are all teams that have not had a good start to the season, but I 100% expect these teams to start to play better and make a push for the playoffs. And when that happens, I imagine that Montreal's probably going to slip down the standings a little bit. And the other thing, too, that I'll point out is uh, Arizona right now at 23. They're at, they're at 500. Is Arizona really going to remain a 500 team this season? Like, no, they're going to fall down. There are a lot of teams still trying to figure out what exactly they are. I think that's probably why it's difficult to to move around your roster at all. The teams aren't necessarily lining up to make uh, a big trade at this time of year. Everyone still wants to gauge uh, what kind of team they're going to be. Um, so let, let, let's look at this realistically. There's still a little bit of time to figure out what, how Montreal is going to look for the rest of the season. 
Uh, is it fair to say that where they are right now is going to be what they are for the whole season? Maybe, but probably not. I, I expect that some of these teams like Pittsburgh and Calgary and Nashville probably start to step it up in the next couple of weeks, and uh, they could realistically push Montreal uh, down the standings quite a bit. Those are all great examples of teams that we expect to, uh, you know, who, who may have had a slow start that we expect uh, to be better. I mentioned Tampa Bay earlier. I mentioned them for a reason. Tampa Bay right now has a record of 7-6-1 and one with 15 points. Coincidentally, that's exactly the same record, same number of points for the Montreal Canadiens. Do we think that the Canadiens and the Lightning um, are at the same level currently? Um, the Canadiens have, you know, uh, th- this 500 record, 7-6-1, seven and, seven, six and one, seven and 7 um, with 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 15 points after their first 14 games, um, let's celebrate that because a year ago, uh, a- after 14 games, the Canadians had seven points. They had less than half, um, and 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 it was tough. It was difficult uh, for the Montreal Canadiens at that point. Uh, Cole Caulfield had been sent to the AHL, and and it was. Doom and gloom time, not there at at all. The Canadians have have um, they've achieved above expectations. So celebrate that, um, but let's not uh, you know let's not bet the farm that that it's going to continue and that they're going to finish ahead of of the teams that were just mentioned. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good point. Uh, you look at what happened last year. Uh, it was almost unwatchable. I'm excited that this team is very watchable, and most of the time they're pretty fun to watch. Um, I've enjoyed what they've done so far. If they manage to keep it up, I'm I'm always down to watch some fun hockey. I don't necessarily expect them uh, to remain in the playoff race uh, for the entire season, uh, but you know what? Uh, hopefully they can still compete and be in games and still bring some uh, some of that fun brand of hockey uh, without necessarily being right in the middle where they are. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that's what... I, I Our listeners, I expect, know enough that that's what... Uh, that would make them happy. Exactly. So I, I think uh, that this was a really good discussion. I enjoyed talking uh, about this with you, Rick, and uh, I think it's a good time that we take uh, our final break on the Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. 
Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 217 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website, canadiansconnection.com. Also, you can text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. We'd love to hear from you, so make sure you send us a text at 5853-ROCKET. And uh, that was a, that was a really fun discussion that uh, we just had there in uh, segment two. Um, it's nice uh, that Montreal is playing this fun brand of hockey and uh, looking forward to seeing what they have in store for the rest of the season. And we're looking forward to uh, hearing from our listeners and, and what they think about uh, what's coming up uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So if uh, you're having trouble uh, keeping up with everything that's going on with this team, uh, you want some help uh, keeping up to date with everything, look no further than All Habs Magazine at allhabs.net. Weekly, Chris G puts out the Habs notepad. He'll go through everything top to bottom from Montreal Canadiens to Laval Rocket, even to the ECHL with the Trois-Rivières Lions. So make sure you look out for that as it, that comes out once a week on Mondays. Also, this past week, uh, Rocket Sports contributor Gustav put out a feature entitled Draft Well, and uh, might I say, this feature was drafted out pretty well. Uh, what can people expect from this one, Rick? Well, it's, it's um, I think everyone's focusing on uh, the draft position, draft high. You, you, want, you want your team to be drafting as high as possible because uh, there is a correlation between drafting um, you know, near the top of the draft uh, and and the potential for success. But his point was, yes, that's that's a that's a given. Um, but no matter where you're drafting, you have to draft well. Yeah, and if you're interested in our YouTube content, head over to uh, the All Habs Magazine YouTube channel and check out the Habs Hockey Report, hosted by Amy Johnson every Friday. The latest episode entitled Bye Bye Bedard, question mark. Very, uh, very good content coming from Amy. Uh, make sure you like and subscribe uh, so you don't miss a single episode. Also, you can leave a comment on these videos too. Amy will take the time to respond to each and every comment. And sometimes she even reads them live on the air. So make sure uh, you head over, you check that out. It's, uh, it's a really fun uh, midweek update on everything Montreal Canadiens. YouTube.com slash allhabs, uh, although this is the week that YouTube uh, promises to throw the switch on their brand new YouTube handles. Our handle is just like uh, our handle on most other social medias, at allhabs, all one word, allhabs. Uh, search for at allhabs uh, in the search provided by YouTube and you'll get right to our YouTube channel. 
And of course, uh, you can check out our Rocket Sports Radio podcasts, uh, The Canadian's Connection, the one you're listening to right now. We come out uh, every Saturday uh, around this time, and uh, we keep you up to date with everything that happened Montreal Canadiens throughout the past week. Uh, we have some big topics, uh, discussions right in the middle. Last week's episode, we actually had uh, John Liu step in uh, for an exclusive interview. So if you haven't heard that one, make sure you check that out. And of course, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast so you don't miss a single episode also every tuesday in the evening the press zone comes out next week's uh, the press zone podcast is hosted by amy johnson and patrick williams stay up to date with everything habs prospects ahl and laval rocket and you don't want to miss a single episode of that one as well make sure you smash that uh, subscribe button and don't do not miss out on a single episode of that Also, uh, we're right in the thick of November uh, as we're recording. It's November the 12th right now. And uh, there's still an opportunity to join uh, Rocket Sports to support the Movember initiative, uh, support uh, men's health. I've got uh, the mustache going. Uh, You can uh, head over to my page. You can uh, see my daily mustache tracker, uh, watch it grow uh, throughout the days. And uh, also... If you uh, like the initiative, uh, if you want to get involved, uh, reach out to us. Uh, we can let you know all the best ways you can do that. Uh, even if it's not uh, through money, uh, there are many initiatives like Move, so you can count steps and whatnot. And uh, Rick, uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this one? Yeah, there's so many ways to get involved. Uh, growing a mustache, some of us are doing that. Being active, uh, some of us are doing that. Uh, raising money, we're accepting donations. Uh, we'll gladly do that. And uh, just raising awareness uh, as well. So if you could uh, share uh, our page as well and, and go to Movember, uh, look for our All Habs uh, uh, hockey magazine. And, uh, and we have various um, um, uh, members of the Rocket Sports team that uh, are participating. You can donate on those pages. You can leave comments. And we're uh, we're happy to hear from you and joining in this. We're midway through uh, the Movember uh, season and and uh, happy to involve you in any way. So now it's time for our Canadians Connection question of the week. We want to make sure we hear from you. Who has been the most surprising player so far this season? So we talked about uh, some of the success that the Montreal Canadiens have had so far this year. And uh, we want to know who do you think is the most surprising player this year? Who's been uh, the surprise success player um i personally i'm surprised that uh arbor jackai has been as good as he has been i didn't expect him to make it at a camp i didn't expect him to stick around as long as he has so for me uh, the most surprising player is uh, arbor jackai what do you think rick that's a terrific choice and and we heard arbor jackai talk about the difference uh the last he league he was in um you go into the corner uh, you push the guy down, he stays down, and, and you move, take the puck and move on. He said, it doesn't happen like that in the NHL, and he's had to learn how to deal with that, how to deal with the reverse hits, um, with uh, guys that uh, don't go down when you hit them, and, and uh, learn to be more uh, tactical uh, in his approach. And and, um, and he's uh, there's been a, a couple of ups and downs, but he's been terrific and, and, uh, and a big surprise, I think, for fans. Um, again, with the defense, um, my surprise has been Jordan Harris. As I said, I think he's been terrific, uh, just behind Gooley in terms of his consistency and, you know, not a bigger guy. And you wondered if, uh, he would start, uh, start to break down with the, 
um, with the, the, the physical play of the NHL and with the schedule. Uh, he talked about uh, earlier this week, he talked about how different the schedule is. You play college, you know, you have the week off to practice for practice. There's a, a day devoted to uh, spending time lifting weights. And then you have your games on the weekend and, and then you do it all over again. It's, it's a, um, a, a much more rigorous schedule. Um, and he has, he has uh, been terrific and kept up with that uh, still early. Um, but uh, I've, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised with the play of Jordan Harris. For sure. Jordan Harris has uh, actually been a nice surprise as well, but uh, I, I'm still going to go with the Arbor Jack guy on this one. And we want to make sure we hear from our listeners. So please reach out to let us know uh, who you think the biggest surprise player so far this season has been. Looking ahead to, to the next week, uh, tonight on uh, Saturday, November the 12th, uh, Pittsburgh pays a visit to Montreal. So you get to see Crosby, you get to see a very nasty uh, Jeff Petrie, uh, quite the goon this player is. <laughs> uh, if you want to head forward to November the 15th, uh, the surprisingly, uh, well, I guess the NHL's biggest surprise so far this season, at least in my opinion, the New Jersey Devils are going to take a trip uh, over to Montreal. So we'll see how these two guys can match up. And on the 17th of November, Montreal heads out to Columbus. So you got to take a look at uh, the wonderful and amazing uh, Johnny Goudreau, who I barely recognize in that Columbus jersey. And uh, hopefully we don't hear the cannon um, too many times that night. Yeah. (laughs) So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Please remember to hit that subscribe button uh, and make sure you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcasting app. And if you like what you heard, uh, you can also share on social media. Enjoy the week. Uh, We'll be back here next Saturday, November the 19th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.